2: Hello, Potter than Hellions. Welcome. Damn, wrong podcast. Hey, this is Steve from the Potter than Hell podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Shout It All Loudcast. But
0: before we get going, I want to ask my guy something. B.C., are you feeling low with no place to go? Yeah, and I'm thinking I'm going to scream. Hey, B.B., do you recall Days in the City? Yeah, and I think back. Oh, what a pity. And hey, Dylan, do you feel
2: tired on a Saturday night? Yeah, man, my heater's broken.
0: I am so tired.
2: Well, I'm gonna
0: throw
1: another log on the fireplace and listen to the shout out loudcast. Oh, yeah! Steve,
0: stand by my side, and I'll be next to you. Oh, God, shut the fuck up, BC.
2: What's up there, Kiss Army? It's Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loudcast. Episode 84, aptly titled, Sean Delaney's Hellbox.
1: Tom, how you doing? What's going on, buddy? Uh, We got a unique episode here, a topic that not many uh, people have talked about and covered. So this is going to be interesting and uh, fun for the listeners. Absolutely. How's life? Well, it's what, 95 degrees again, like fourth day in a row. I can't wait to see my electric bill, but first world problems complaining about air conditioning. So, but that's about it. Nothing, Uh, nothing else going on here. What about you, buddy? I know uh, we got some playoff hockey going on. Yeah, it's like deja vu, playoff hockey brewing stuff. But at least uh, I'm not going
2: to every game and coming home at two in the morning because of five overtimes and things like that. But yeah. Uh, NHL hockey playoff is back, NBA will be starting up and uh I think they play baseball right now. Do they play baseball? Dude, the Red Sox
1: are so fucking bad right now. What what a, what, a, what a great year for them to suck when no one cares and no one watches The terrible. Yeah, yeah baseball's <laughs> looking pretty bad right now. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: we still have our Kiss podcast. And because we uh, we got a, a great interview today to be played with you guys, we want to get right to the rest of the stuff. So first, Tom, we did our poll from last
1: week's episode. What was it? Yeah, so last week we welcomed our buddies Sonny Pooney and Steve Wright from Potter the Hell to play another round of Kiss Jeopardy. And one of the categories for Kiss Jeopardy was one word song titles. So we figured that would be our Monday poll. Now, obviously, there's a ton of one-word song titles. We tried to mix it up a little bit and not use the the big hits, so we threw in Mainline, Firehouse, Parasite, and She. Mainline is obviously the deepest cut out of that group. The other ones, for KISS fans like us and KISS fans like you, those are hits, but we didn't want to put you know Deuce or Unholy forever. Try to mix it up a little bit. No surprise, Parasite ran away 50% of the vote. Firehouse twenty four percent, she twenty, and right up the rear, Mainline six <laughs> percent. And I think that's uh, I think that's all Zeus and his burner accounts that voted for Mainline. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I
2: have burner accounts. I'm not like you know Sunny Poonie burner accounts.
1: No, you don't have that many.
2: No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, Kiss Jeopardy, another game show we did. Sonny uh, had the questions, did an awesome job as the host And coming up with the questions No offense to him, buddy He was so much better this time than the previous time And I think we got good feedback about it This was the most fun I've had on a game Not because I won um, But because the questions were there It was actually something that me and you and Steve could actually guess And it was, uh, I thought, his best effort, at least on our show As far as game shows go, what do you think?
1: Game show lovers,
2: what's that game show lover? What are you talking about, game show
1: lover? Oh yeah, no doubt. Now, granted, I scored zero again for the second straight Jeopardy game, but wrong. But that's but like I even said, you know, it's because the questions there were more questions where I felt comfortable taking a shot, and the questions were the categories were fun, the questions were fun, one word song titles, alternate song lyrics, pandemic, Paul album covers, just interesting categories, fun categories of where we all had a shot. So again, kudos to Sonny and, and Steve for, for just joining us and having having a good time.
2: Yeah, and you think about it though, Tom, if you've got a few answers under your belt and you got some numbers, you're going to take a chance. That's, but yeah. unlike the previous week, previous time we played, if we're down to 100, 200 points, we're not answering questions because you're like, we can't take the chance.
1: But, exactly. You, know, you
2: took a chance because you're playing the game, but you hit the buzzer for both of us did for way more than we did the last time we played,
1: that. and that's what made it. That's what made it fun, just even having a chance to answer.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yep. and we got some feedback on YouTube. Our buddy Marty White said, "Always a gas when Sonny is on, but I don't want to see him in tights." I don't remember what that's from. I mean, I don't want to see him in tights either. Yeah, but he I- said something about being in tights or something okay. like that. And, you know, he wears the required uniform, Tom. You wear
1: tights? No, I don't wear tights. I wear the required uniform. Tights. Shut up. Tights.
2: (laughs) 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 On uh, podchaser.com, remember, you can give us five-star reviews there, and also leave comments. So we got a few there, and uh, this is from Mac and Maddie. Uh, played in the car. I would have won against both these guys. Uh, there was three of us playing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then aces high gave us five stars as well. And he's actually asked the question: Is this game available somewhere? <laughs> Where did you get the categories in game cards? I would love to buy and play at home with my imaginary friends. <laughs> Zeus was on fire on
1: this one. <laughs> but, you that, want take this? but see that's the genius of Sonny Pooney is he makes people think that this stuff is such, such high quality that, that the listeners don't even understand that Sonny Pooney created these out of thin air on his own hey,
3: Sonny <laughs> Pooney, what a piece of shit that guy is
2: <laughs> so in you know, other words we need to team up with Sonny and create our own KISS game he's right for, for yeah. a home a home version
1: right for yeah, people I'm, to I'm, play yeah I'm sure Gene Simmons <laughs> from KISS will uh, approve that
2: yeah <laughs> You're infringing on my copyrights. <laughs> Kevin Jepson on Facebook. Holy crap, Sonny Poony. Nice job on the questions. That was fun. Yep. And Zeus did not say what is jungle.
1: Dude. LOL that-
2: just saying had a blast listening. Let's do that.
1: That right. was like one of the overriding <laughs> things on feedback. Did we miss that? Because I we could- I said this. Listen, I thought I said it because I said.
2: Th- that's whatever the answer was. Uh, yeah. That's uh, unmasked or whatever the answer was. So I thought I said no. I said what is uh, unmasked? And Sonny thought I said it because I said that instead of what is unmasked or something. Because like we because we we,
1: we we did catch you a couple times, like you know, all, didn't do a question. But everybody's like, Zeus didn't say what is jungle? And I'm like, I don't yeah, remember. I, I cause don't remember he that brought it up.
2: And then he's like, No, no, he said it. And I'm going, Yeah, I said what? I it didn't occur to me like I fucked up. And I said, Oh, what is the, what do you call? It? Afterwards, of course, I caught right. myself. It was so far in the lead at that point, anyways. It would, I would have still won on, oh, on that, yeah, anyways. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but that did get brought up. A few people brought that up on social media that oh, I didn't okay. say it. Our buddy Jack Panaccio. <laughs>
0: Here I am, I'm the darling of my beloved's heart.
3: It's the yellow fish I only saw, I saw in a
0: yellow a see La
2: The fucking domino clues, 15,000 exclamation points I lost my shit on that, ha 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 We got a lot of comments on that one
1: Yeah, they were all Uh, from old men or ex-cons Who understood what those clues meant for fucking dominoes
2: (laughs) Sean McNair, I predicted right finally Now I believe that's probably in reference to your uh, coming soon post that you cryptically play i thought that was pretty obvious the one you put in
1: dude i thought it was so obvious turd ferguson from saturday yeah. live jet i'm like and people somebody actually sent us a message they thought we were gonna have norm mcdonald on the show i'm yeah. like <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah and then uh, uh our buddy heavy mayo put on who now uses facebook yes uh Zuez. it must be the spanish version of zeus Zuez. With a swift
1: ass kicking, Zuez, Z- Zuez wouldn't be the only Spanish character from the Jeopardy episode. We no, had, no. we had, oh, well, that's easy. We had the
2: Spanish luchador, our friend of the show, Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> he He was a uh, a new character that became on the show.
1: Yeah, and he was. He te- uh, he did. Uh, he did uh, the tag team with Hacksaw Jim Dugan.
2: Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I> Steve. <laughs> You know, he's uh, he's part you can get on the Kiss Mexican editions of the fucking uh, Unmasked album with Pico Chris on the cover, Pablo Stanley, Juan Simmons, and what's uh, Ace? I don't even know what is it, Ace. What is it I have- Ace Spanish. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, shit.
2: Swallow oh. Fraley, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's
1: our, my feedback. I got what do you got? Do you have anything there, Tom? yeah so twitter our buddy murph had a great one he used that famous gif i don't even know if a lot of people know what it's from but it's donald sutherland it's like the final scene from invasion of the body snatchers yeah. when he makes that when he points and makes that horrified look and he goes awesome episode but the reaction of listeners when zeus got credit when not framing the response as a question oh uh, fuck, the bobby brady murph <laughs> character comes out i told you he's the he's the resident shouted out loudcast home monitor <laughs>
3: You're breaking a rule. People can't just go around breaking rules. Bobby, you're a safety at school, not at home. A rule is a rule, at school or at home. You're going to be on my report. What report? I'm turning in a report to mom and dad at the end of the week.
1: Fucking Bobby Brady Murph. Rule's a rule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Joel Hoffman, another poondog mind-bending set of questions. Awesome show as usual. Jungle. Zeus definitely did not answer in the form of a question. <laughs> Love waking up Saturday morning with my V8 juice and celery laughing with you guys. Great way to start my day. Uh, Twisted Kister says Hulk Hoogan. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy Mayo again on Twitter. Sunny Crush it this week as host and his questions are very creative. Smoke show 19 said these clues are ridiculous. This is dumbed down. So apparently smoke show 19 thought the questions were hard. Wow. JR says pandemic peddler, Paul's big masked adventure. (laughs) Oh, we have more to say about that. LT shoes says, Jesus Christ. I laughed so hard. I had to stop on my walk to work to catch my breath. I like, I like hearing that stuff. Uncle Pauly, another amazing episode. My highlight this week was Tommy making it feel like there was actual money on the line during the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that's Twitter awesome stuff as usual and then we got a uh, a couple emails we got one from uh, Hollywood Poonies brother Danny says hey fellas just uh, hey fellas just want to send a quick note on your recent Jeopardy great episode as always this round of Jeopardy was way more practical for KISS fans to answer and I feel like I learned a lot by the way indigenous Australian apparatus is one of the worst KISS songs ever (laughs) boomerang that was great yeah and then we got mac maddie simply says i would have killed all three of you bozos oh at least time. this time he said three yeah on on email oh god and then our buddy tony smith again chimes in hey dudes about the recent review you got from rock drummer rattlesnake on itunes yeah it's me tony smith (laughs) you realize what i meant by you guys giving me the business over the past year i love the jeopardy episode tell sunny poontang i said hi my famous last words Read my body. Is my lowercase J big enough? (laughs) Fuck, Tony's always an adventure reading his emails. But now, great stuff as always. The feedback, the interaction—that's why, even though even though you guys, you know, the game show, it's a great, fun listen for you guys. But like everybody's saying, you can play along, and uh, that just makes it even more enjoyable.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, and uh, you know, obviously, we have a bunch more. We try to get in and mix up as many people as we can. Get some new people in there, so you know we want you to realize we don't have just two the same two people commenting or the same two people throughout our show. That's also try to mix up some of you guys and get uh, some new voices out here to be heard. Yep. Yep. Tom, what do we usually go to? Is um why I don't know why I said that in the form of a question. See what you fucking did now.
1: Jeopardy. It's everything's a form of a question. What is Kiss News? What is what is going on in Kiss World for 200 so, yeah. so, yeah, we're recording on Wednesday, August 12th, and the big news that just broke a little while ago while, uh, while we're recording was that the North American tour has finally been rescheduled. Uh, we've been talking about it for weeks. It was supposed to start up August 28th, so uh, they waited for the last minute almost. So it has been rescheduled to 2021, and uh, our show has now been moved to the first show of that leg it's now wow. yeah it's now going to be august 18th just and like
2: new hampshire tom
1: yeah yeah exactly so august 18th david lee roth is still going to be part of the show it looks like there's only one show the one in atlantic city where david lee roth will not be appearing with them but as of right now david lee roth will be on that show go to uh, kissonline.com or it's also on our sh- social media's by the time you listen to this you will have seen it but that has finally been rescheduled so no kiss for 2020 wow yeah, we kind of knew we knew it was happening, uh, but you can get your kiss fix with the Vinnie Vincent <laughs> let freedom rock bash coming to Nashville, Tennessee on October 17th and October 18th. Go to Vinnie for more information. I am not making this up and holy shit. This poster is unbelievable, dude. We had somebody I think it might have been Kistery science theater they said he's standing between two huge jets but they look like decepticons is Vinnie vincent a transformer <laughs> but yeah not touching that i know exactly i'm not touching it either let freedom rock bash VinnieVincent.com, october nashville tennessee i don't know if that's going to happen but holy shit we will we will be covering that if it do- if it if it happens that's going to be insane <laughs>
2: And he, and he has like a photo. What does that say about him that he still uses photos of his biggest, like hair, hair metal? Yep. Right? Image. Yep. Like he would prefer that image than the fucking Joyce DeWitt
1: look that he's got going now. Yeah, it looks like a Halloween costume. I mean, like you said, this is straight <laughs> out of this is like straight out of like the all systems go, the solo. Yeah, you know. yeah,
2: yeah. You know, like those ones, those websites and stuff. All the Halloween costumes. Yep. It's like seventies man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dancing doctor man, and yep. everyone's like always like in a pose. It's like hair metal man, and that's him.
1: That's that's him. <laughs> hair metal, Vinny. That's exactly what it is. Hair metal but man. I hope just for entertainment purposes that that thing actually happens. But we'll see. Of course, of course. Good luck. And um, I know we know there's a lot of Vinny guys out
2: there, so hope it works out for him.
1: Yep. It was the uh, anniversary of Unplugged. Yes, that was last week, the 25th anniversary of the recording of Unplugged. Holy shit, man! I remember exactly where I was watching that. Uh, what an event! 25 years goes by way too fast, but uh, people were all excited about that on social media, posting videos and just how much that mm-hmm. mean that meant to them, and obviously probably the maybe one of the biggest days in all of history for sure.
2: Yeah, and Bruce uh, Kulick uh, did something about that, just put a YouTube clip together of that. Obviously, yep. it's iconic. The the MTV portion of it, the, the fact this the disc, the live version of it. Maybe my favorite live version of any Kiss thing. We'll get to that and we're going to cover that at some point and do a whole episode on it. But it, yeah, Unplug is just a great great uh, period uh, of history. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Everybody yeah. loves it, and that'll be exciting to cover when we do get to it.
2: Yeah. And then your buddy still had his uh, uh his his peewee uh, bike adventures going around town. Oh, but this time he pulled down his
1: mask for the picture. Oh. Oh. And God. why? Why does he? Why does he do like such close-ups? Just finishing up my eight mile ride. Get out there. Be safe. <laughs> okay crook- okay crooked man <laughs> any horror movie fans out there you know who the crooked man is he's a character so <laughs> I don't know. is that really somebody the crooked man is a character from a horror movie yes is this so, like, a- so we have Fox
2: all fucked up with his no eyebrows no like no lit- it actually
1: it, it actually looks like nothing like paul but we call him i, I like nicknames so we pandemic paul crooked man whatever <laughs> like <laughs> they just go
2: out live be safe And you know what it is? And he's got that fucking lemon face. (laughs) His lemon lips are in, like, huge effect. Now, we're not fucking God's gift to good looks. But, you know, and you know what it is? I don't blame him because if you read the comments, there are a million people that are like, oh, you say it. Yes, Paul. You're such the best. Oh, my God. You're so handsome. (laughs) It reminds me of Little Nicky when they're like, oh, you're so handsome. And he's like.
3: Eh, eh, eh. Don't be afraid to show your face. You're such a handsome boy. <laughs>
1: it's like what Little Nicky. <laughs> it just, you know, it just,
2: it, those lemon lips, it's like the corner, like if you put a lemon on its side, like the
1: middle part is fat. But the, like the end part is real short. It's like uh, bad. It, it, I, I mean, he's never been accused of having any work done to his face, but I think he may have. And he, maybe, oh, he yeah. it maybe, maybe he did. He must have done it. eyebrows and shit. Yeah, he must have done it himself. Or maybe he had fucking it's Ace do it or something. Fucking Frankenstein shit. And, you know, he wasn't a bad looking man to start with, but just. Uh, Wait, you 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 just came up with another potential nickname, especially with Halloween season approaching. Franken Stanley, <laughs>
2: <laughs> he got a fucking bolts out of his mouth. Bless Paul, we love him, but this absolutely of, during the pandemic, this Bro. version of Paul Stanley is like what the fuck, dude? Anything but kiss. Yep. It's like, I need to be respected and I need to be a voice of of you know reason out there and be the one to bring bring people out of the wilderness and like get the fuck shut the fuck up dude talk about Kiss talk about your fans talk about the music talk about the out remember you was doing that for a little bit and then it just vanished and now he's fucking doing wheelies on his fucking <laughs> PK Ripper BMX
1: bike He's like, popping fucking endos <laughs> down friggin' his Chula Vista Boulevard, or wherever the fuck it is. Mushroom grip fucking bike <laughs> handles, <Yeah>. fucking, and he's <laughs> fucking rocking his Skyway
2: mags as he's friggin' hey,
1: cruising. And he
2: slides with the back tire through that, <laughs> yeah. <slide. laughs> yeah. And he kicks down his kickstand. He's like, "What's up, boys? Paul
1: Stanley's here to rock it." Oh my god, just it's fucking awesome is. Awesome. fucking popping wheelies, no stopping. Yeah. But yeah, that's a, that's this week's episode of Pandemic uh Paul, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm hoping that today's Wednesday by the time you listen to this, I'm hoping he would do something about the postponement of the tour. Like, oh, you know, it's the right thing to do. We can't wait to see you guys. We were looking forward to this fall, you know, we'll see like something to keep the Kiss fans You know, satiated for lack of a better word. Your other
2: favorite band there, Metallica, is doing that drive in theater. I know they're getting shit for the cost of it. If you break it down, technically it's not a bad cost, but at least they're doing something creatively. I'm glad you brought that up. Fuck, can't Kiss do something creatively now? How about doing a QA with fans live? How about, I mean, he was doing that for five seconds. um, And I think it is because he can't take any trolls he will fucking lose it you know like laser beam Paul when the fucking concert like he just he won't be able to control himself if someone says like something derogatory about him
1: yep I'm glad you brought that up about Metallica because I just want to talk about that real quick because after after Kiss Metallica is, is my band and I understand they're taking a hit for the cost but the one thing that they're doing is like you said they're being creative okay this is a concert it's going to be newly recorded it's going to be mixed and edited the sound engineered it's going to be specially made for a drive-in theater yes i understand you're going to be seeing them on a drive-in screen it's 115 dollars per car if you get a bunch of your friends it's 30 bucks it's a night out to see metallica i understand again it's a drive-in it's not a concert but it's something for the fans Mm -hmm. and i've said this before too throughout this entire pandemic every monday They call it Metallica Mondays. You go on their YouTube page for free. They stream entire concerts from all throughout their career. You're going to tell me that Kiss couldn't do that on their YouTube page? Hey, guys, check us out tonight. We're going to do 1979 Largo, the Dynasty Tour. Tune in to check it out. Like, you you can't do that?
2: Yeah, and one of the person's comments on it, tonight is Paul's night. The next night, Gene does it. And the more recent concert, Tommy Thayer can do it.
1: Right. You know, something. I mean, I, I give credit to a lot of these artists out there, and especially Metallica's. But other people, they're doing things because they know their fans want something from them. And I know we say this every week, and, you know, if, if we're being a broken record, too bad. We're, we, we talk like this because we're so passionate about the band, and we, and we miss them, right. I guess. And it's just, right. frust- it's just frustrating to see these other artists using this time to the best of their advantage to keep their fans happy.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah yeah um so
1: that being said
2: you're getting all worked up
1: i am getting i i, I am getting all worked up and and, and what do you when do i get like worked up well when you get worked up you, you gotta go you gotta go to adamandeve.com because free stuff is awesome but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Use promo code Loudcast at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, special gift for her, and a third item you will both enjoy. And those six free spicy movies and free shipping. Promo code loudcast, adamandeve.com.
2: Nice. So today's episode, Tom, came about, and I think I, I we talk about it a little bit in the ep, in the interview. Yep. So we're gonna speak with Brian Kennard. Who's Brian Kennard? Well, he's the person that who wrote the book, basically, Sean Delaney's Hellbox. And Brian is a ghostwriter for this story, which is Sean's story. We all know Sean Delaney as one of the uh, early parts of history. And he played a major role. I've brought him up many times on the show. Uh, We had an episode that we talked about overrated, underrated things. I brought up that felt his role in Kiss was very underrated. He had a role in, you know, coming up with the themes, coming up with the character themes, coming up with Gene's blood, coming up with the costumes, the choreography, some of the song development. He was their tour manager. He did all the pyro stuff. He did everything. Every you name it, he did it. So he was part of a coin management, and him and Bill Coin uh, were partners, uh, along with Joyce not DeWitt Iowitz, right Is yep. I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. Yep. And they were KiSS's managers in the beginning of their career. And Sean uh, unfortunately, had a falling out with the band later on, and um, you know, and he passed away pretty young sadly and he obviously had a a fascinating life and he was talking about he finally came out of the woodworks after 10 years and he started going on the kiss um convention circuit and he was talking about that he had this book he wanted to put out this book he's got a book written and it's going to be an autobiography he's got all these secrets and all this stuff and he was going to do it he's going to do it well he didn't know how to write a book and he got Brian Kennard to do it for him and Brian talks about the story and how they got together and how they basically he ended up writing the book for him so the book is basically Sean's words they're not Brian's words they're, everything is directly from Sean so it's about as an autobiography although we call this a biography everything's written with Sean's exact words this is stuff coming from you know straight from the horse's mouth it's his dealings with Kiss, his life, his, you know, the the rise and fall of Sean Delaney. It's a short read. And um, I basically made, came into this, show, um, Tom, when I just started doing some more research about Sean Delaney and found the book. And, you know, it was pre-internet stuff for me, you know, afterwards when I got back into Kiss. And I was like, holy shit, is this real? What is this? And I found it fast. I ordered the book, read it. I thought it was incredible. I had you. Uh, I think that was a Christmas gift for you. It was. Yeah, yep. <laughs> got it was. for Christmas, and i was yep. like, here you go, Merry Christmas. There's your homework. Read yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, we reached out to Brian, who couldn't be any nicer. And
1: uh, here we are. I know I've spoken a lot, so Tom, let me turn it over to you. Yeah, no, I give Zeus credit for uh, finding this book. And, and and like Zeus said, you know, Kiss fans, you know, you, if you're listening to us, you know, you love the band. And Sean Delaney is regarded as that fifth member of the band. Um, and his story is tragic. It's riveting. It's informative. It's passionate. Brian, um, he will tell you the story when we play the interview about how he met him and all the goings on with Sean. We were happy to have Brian on because for his sake. And for KISS fans' sake, we want to get this book out there because it's a must-read. Zeus and I have read every KISS book ever published, and I'm sure you guys have too. There's a lot of things in this book that none of us, neither one of us knew, and the book is very short, and in those pages were a lot of things that we never knew. So without further ado, Zeus...
3: Find a location
2: near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
3: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
1: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are
0: proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite.
1: We've got something pretty cool for you you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
0: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
2: Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the interview. This is uh, the interview with uh, Brian Kennard, the author of Sean Delaney's Hellbox. Brian Kennard. And you want to tell everybody who Brian
1: Kennard is? Brian Kennard is the author slash publisher of Sean Delaney's Hellbox, which is Sean Delaney's autobiography. Um, and we're so happy to have Brian on here to talk about this book, uh, which every KISS fan out there, everybody listening to our show right now, uh, it's one of the most underrated, unknown KISS books out there, and it's a must-read. Brian, welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. We're so glad you could join us. Uh,
3: Thanks a lot for having me. Really appreciate it. Awesome.
2: So while we were talking off the air, Brian, we uh, found out you are a KISS fan. And uh, as usual, uh, we do our Murph questions to get them out of the way first, right off the top. Very simple for you, buddy. Uh, The first one, who's your favorite KISS member?
3: My favorite KISS member has to be Gene Simmons. That's the correct answer
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell Tom's the gene one Um And and mind you I know with every Kiss fan We always preface this with Today because you know These things always change over time
3: Favorite Kiss song Oh I would have to say Oh that's a tough one I mean Rock and Roll All Night As cheesy it may sound is Love Gun I've always loved Love Gun Um course i love their disco album dynasty i will admit that a lot of people but um love it um, made for loving you baby i mean you know that's anytime it's playing i'll crank it up plus i have it on my you know i have the music and uh, i like to work out the his songs and i even like the stuff in the 80s too believe it or not you know i like stuff from animal eyes and, and, and even the years where they didn't have the makeup on they had sort of a different sound but it was still Kiss nonetheless. But I thought they me personally, I thought they transitioned into the hairband era just fine, right before they retransitioned back into the makeup. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Well said. Yeah.
2: yeah, when you got Gene and Paul, it's still Kiss. And that's exactly. the difference. Right? Exactly. So uh next, favorite Kiss album.
3: I would have to say Kiss Alive. Okay. Like, what about studio. studio album? Studio album. Do their solo albums count? You can. Sure. You can solo album. I, you know, is it Gene Simmons had a great solo album, I thought. Um is you know wishing upon a star, I don't know if that was the greatest song to put on there, but you got <laughs> a guy, you know, he really went totally different.
2: Yep, you know, cool. That, All right, that's great. I mean, I I wonder who the producer was on that, but we, you know, that's a good <laughs> one to pick, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes.
2: Um, have you been to any Kiss concerts, and if so, how many?
3: I have been to three in my lifetime. The first one was in junior high, and I was fourteen years old. That that might have been the last time they were in makeup. Okay. Originally, originally makeup, and then they came out of the makeup. And um, I think Ace Freely had already left.
2: Okay. Wow.
3: They had his replacement in there. Not the replacement. Yeah. You got got to see Vinny. Exactly. So, um, and it was good nonetheless. But then in later years, I saw him when I was in the military, I saw him overseas. I saw him in Berlin. I actually went to this last concert that was in Phoenix when they came to Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, the thing about kiss and I also saw them when they were doing a little headline show in Vegas, I want to say maybe eight, nine years ago. I think they were at the hard okay. rock. Cafe. Okay. And it, it, for some reason it never gets old because it's one of the few concerts you can go to and sing along with every single song. It's just, it's predictable you're just having a good time with other fans and it's multi-generational too. You've got, you've got, uh, parents bringing their kids who are bringing their kids to the same. concerts.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And your last, the last one we're going to ask you about, what is your favorite kiss memory?
3: My favorite kiss memory had to be when I was, I want to say I was seven, maybe eight. My uncle was 14. And this was right around the time where Kiss was into Marvel Comics and everything, too. And I used to love sitting in my it's weird to call him my uncle because at the time he's more like my cousin. But yeah. uh, you know, we would sit there and we would look at all the Kiss comic books. And of course, you know, uh, you know, Stan Lee actually inking with some of their blood in the comics. Yep. And yep. so cool because not only did they look cool on their album covers and everything, but of course in uh, in the in the comic books, you could they could be accentuated to be you know they're all powerful and the chest is pumped out and everything. But a more recent memory that I had was uh, several years back because I go to the San Diego Comic Cons all the time. Yeah, and we're actually I went to the panel that had Gene and Paul, and this is when they released the Scooby Doo movie. Oh yeah, um, back, and yep. uh, you know, they had some classic hits in there and it was really psychedelic um watching Scooby Doo but I was an old fan of Scooby Doo when they used to have the Harlem Globetrotters you know they would meet Batman and Robin so I think this really brought me back to my childhood when uh, the Scooby Doo in the Gang is meeting KISS so yep. and you got to give it to Gene and Paul they just won't let it die you know I mean is <laughs> still relevant they're still all over the place you know they're still thinking of a way to market themselves even after all these years
1: yeah, awesome! No, Very cool. That,
2: that would make Sean proud. Put him in Scooby Doo for the next generation, right?
3: Um, I would have thought, though, you know, knowing Sean, he probably would have thought he he deserved a piece of that money from the Scooby Doo and from everything. <laughs> he was he was really really torn by that. I think it's something that haunted him the rest of his life. Is the fact that, and it's detailed in the book, is the fact that you know, he came from a time when a handshake was a deal and it didn't get anything that down in ink on paper. He didn't have anything. And so I think when I was introduced to him, he was happy that somebody who was willing to, because I mean, I took it for no money at all. I I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. We'll I'll write this story for you. And, uh, you know, and I was introduced to him and we had a lot of, a lot of morning breakfast sessions where we were sitting at a diner and all he wanted to tell his story was you had to keep him supplied with cigarettes and food and the guy smoked and smoked and smoked and talked and talked. And we must've went through cassette tape after cassette tape, after cassette tape. And, uh, and then I had to go through and try to par his, his life story and all his talking into a, into a book because from what I understood, Sean had tried this several other times, and he also had some ramblings that he he had written down as well. But he could never get anybody to commit to it and actually help him and see him through the process. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did. Wow. So let's
1: st- so let's take that and kind of start with the, as a starting point, because anybody who's listening to this right now and might not be familiar with this book is probably wondering on the cover it says sean delaney's Hellbox at the bottom brian j Kennard. so you kind of you kind of talked about that a little bit with what you were just saying tell us how you connected with sean how did this how, how did this just happen what's your background how did this where did we let's start with that
3: well i was writing comic books and way back i was uh doing screenwriting work in in hollywood and i was writing you know pilots for you know network shows some of them would get shelved and never saw the light of day um when i did the comic book the villicon chronicles i needed an artist and there was an artist his name was roy young and he worked with Chaos comics but he also came from um todd mcfarland spawn there's a whole little collective in arizona people who are in comic books and stuff sure now roy young was i guess this is before i had met him before he got his job at chaos comics he was a, a a student at an art school i think it was phoenix art school and he said this crazy old man came in one day and said hey i'm working with a band in europe they're going to be they're going to be as big as kiss and um and he told Told his wild yarn about, you know, and, and he hears a bunch of white eyed kids going, I never heard of you. You're who? And he's telling all his stories. And he said, I need an artist who can do me an album cover. I have absolutely no money, can't pay you. But I need someone to do an album cover. And this is what Roy Young did. So Roy Young raised his hand and said, I'll do it. I'll do it. No money, nothing. I'm fascinated with your story. I'm a metalhead. Go ahead. And so I guess that's how he got to know Sean Delaney. So years later, when I'm working with Roy and we're putting together um, the graphic novel of Illicon Chronicles series, we, we had a lot of time where we would talk. Uh, we, our desks were adjacent to each other. I'd be doing the writing and and maybe pitching ideas. And he'd be sitting there uh, pumping out, you know, maybe four or five pages a day of artwork. He was a one and he, he was a he was everything. He could do he could take he could do the inking, the drawing, the the. he could do all that stuff, The coloring. He started to tell me about this is when he started telling me this story. And he says, you know what? I'd really like it to meet Sean. I mean, the guy really wants to write a book and he doesn't know where to begin. And he starts to tell me this whole yarn. And I'm like, Man, I love Kiss. I mean, I grew up with Kiss. This is great. You know, we're listening to Kiss songs. So he goes, all right, well, I'm going to set it up. This guy's kind of a recluse. He 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 lives in he lives in different people's houses, he just bounces around. He was from Utah, but I guess for some reason he was in Phoenix and could never get out of Phoenix. So he introduces to me, me to him, and he doesn't tell me a lot. And he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, this guy's gay, too. I go, well that's, uh, no problem. I had no problem with that. And he goes, yeah, but he's. He's out there. He just says things, and it's just <laughs> crazy. <laughs> okay, well, where do you want to do this meeting? He goes, "Why don't we meet at your house first? I go, "I, I don't even know this guy. You want to meet mine?" <laughs> <house?" laughs> well, let's do it out there and everything. So, so she, he brings Sean over. Sean smells so bad of smoke, you know. He and he's wearing uh, he's wearing like a rock shirt. It wasn't kiss a kiss shirt or anything. I can't even remember. He had some group on it but he really looked scrungy. And so he walks in my house and the first thing he starts doing is he's looking around, he's just looking around at everything. And he like, like he's an interior decorator or something. And then he looks at me and goes, you're gay, aren't you? And I go, no, I am not. I said, I'm married. He goes, it doesn't matter if you're married, you're gay. And I go, so, i into an argument with this guy about my sexuality, which I was totally confident. I go, I'm not gay. And um, he goes, all right, whatever. You know, if you want to believe that, then that's fine. (laughs) And and I said, you can't smoke in my house, though. And he goes, I got to smoke. If I can't smoke, we can't do any interviews. And so I go, "Um, all right, we can sit out on the patio. This is like July or August in in Arizona. So we sit up. I don't have a or anything we sat out there for two hours sweating our asses off <laughs> i don't have any hairs it's just dripping off of me it's dripping off of him roy's uh got he's a long hair he, he's dripping sweat and sean didn't care he just continued to smoke and continued to talk and i said do you think we could continue this maybe tomorrow and uh so we agreed to uh do it the next day but we agreed to a restaurant that was near this place he was living And for the next two weeks after that, we continued to meet and continued to meet, and and we got all this down. I had just tons of cassette tapes. I mean, you know, it was a different time. It was different. You know, this is how many years ago. So anyway, he's. I got all these tapes, and I told him, I go, okay, I'm going to have to go through these, and I'm going to have to. He goes, no, just put it down exactly the way I said it, and I go, hey. That sounds great, but what I need to do is I need to I need to put it down to where because you've got long lots of pauses and you'll go into different things. I have it has to be a narrative. there has to be a narrative like it's and he wanted it to come from him. yeah and I said, we can do that. Uh, that's why I don't talk about it as if and then Sean told me this and then Sean told me that. It was written as if this is the way Sean said it. and and I felt really good about it, but I had other projects and stuff going on. Sean starts to call me every single day asking, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? It became like babysitting an old man. (laughs) This is not how the process works. He goes, well, I got to go to Europe because I guess he had some other things going where he was getting paid to write songs for a European band. It was a country band. They were going to pay him. And they did. And he ended up going overseas. And I saw some YouTube. He was doing YouTube videos. He would go to different conventions and that's Mm -hmm. how he was making his money. He got to be really sick and he went back to Utah. I was signing at a convention. Again, we were talking constantly and I think I'd seen him once or twice when he came through Phoenix, we would meet and he would go through this thing. I want, I got to tell you more. I got to tell you more. And he, and we would tape, but he was starting to say the same things over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, people are really gonna be interested in in where your life is at now. Let's talk about the country band that you're working with. And he didn't want to. He told me at the time, he goes, I started talking to Bill again, Bill O'Coin. Mm-hmm. Yep. I said, Yeah, well, what were you talking to him about? He goes, I told him that I'm writing this book. And I told him who you are. And Bill told me that I shouldn't write it. It makes me want to get it written even more. He said <laughs> that he had a direct link into Paul Schaefer at the time. And he says, Paul told me if I get this book done, I'm going on the on the Letterman show. And I'm just gonna open up and tell everybody about it. So he was so excited. So it lit a fire. I was trying to get this done. I was at a convention and uh, so was Roy. We were both signing at the convention. And I guess um he had uh, his niece, her name is Dee Dee, she called us. And said, Sean's up here in Utah. He passed away this morning. Oh. He passed away. Yes, he passed away. He's dead. Oh, man. And exactly. And we're like, wow, I just, I just, I just had talked to him yeah. maybe 14 hours ago. So I'm sitting on this, you know, potential. I mean, this is huge. I don't want to do it without his consent, without him being here. So yeah. anyway, they said, um, so we've been talking to the members of kiss. They're going to pay for his funeral. Um, we want you guys to come up and we also want to talk about this book that Sean said you were doing. And I was like, Oh boy, here we go, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, we're going to get stuck in a quagmire here. Now the good thing is, is i had already taken care of that. And I, and I had me and Sean, we, we, signed documents and everything mm-hmm. they gave him as much right to the book as i had so i could pitch it and do whatever but so could he and no way shape or form was i going to infringe upon his story so we went up to the funeral and uh you know we drove from phoenix uh, to salt lake city we were at the funeral he had it at uh, there was a funeral parlor and then he had the um, the after event at um, a Latter Day Saint uh, church because uh, his his family members were still in the church. And I can remember when we went uh, to the funeral. His casket was open. He wanted an open casket. He actually had Kiss music playing. He wow. didn't have his casket though. He had <laughs> kids playing. And people were putting things in his, in his, in his coffin. He was buried in a kiss t-shirt. Wow. And, and it was just, it was really shocking and weird to just, just look at him there. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, we walked by kind of paid our respects. When we left, we took pictures, uh, me and Roy took pictures of Bill O'Coin. Bill showed up for the funeral. Yep. And, Bill pulled me to the side and wanted to talk. And he says, how much of this book do you have done that Sean was talking about? And I go, well, I, I I have his interviews and I have quite a bit of it done, but it's in no way, shape or form yet ready to be released. So Bill tells me, you can't release that book. And I go, I can release that book. I said, I've got all of, uh, you know, me and Sean, I have the documents and it's it's been notarized and everything, and all of paperwork. And he goes, well, I'm telling you now, unless you want to hear from, you know, people even higher up than me, don't publish that book. And and that's it. I kind of took it with a grain of salt. Me and Roy went to uh, the the after event there and we sat down with uh, Lydia. Chris was there. There were some other people. I can't remember who they were talking, but we got to sit down with um, I think it was a Bill's brother. Um, and his niece, and some of, there was other family members there, and the point was, is that I wanted to sit, and I said, so you guys are the leftover estate, basically, I mean, Sean didn't have much of anything, Mm -hmm. he didn't have it. and they said, yeah, and I said, well, I want your permission then Mm -hmm. to publish this book, because that's what he wanted, I said, I don't know that it's going to make any money, I don't even know what it's going to do, because Sean kept all that to himself he was going to take this book and run with it and he was going to go and promote the crap out of it and mm-hmm. he thought it was going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread and they said yep yeah, you got our we go ahead and do it so we signed some papers and so i had approval from whoever was left over from him mm-hmm. and, and i had so it took me some time to continue to put the book together and a lot of people go, why did it stop? We wanted it to keep going. I go, because that's as far as Sean coherently discussed his life. And and he thought that anything after Kiss really didn't mean anything because he figured he, he hit the peak. He hit the top. He was producing albums and he was writing for the greatest band. And if you read the book, you know, he makes he makes claims that, you know, he was part of, you know, you wanted the best, you got the best. And and all of this stuff, even to their look, uh, how they, you know, got their look and everything. And so I guess when you feel like you've hit that pinnacle of success, he felt like it all got kicked out from underneath him and he had nowhere else to go. Why talk about the rest of my life? I'm a bum. Look at me. I don't have anything. And and it was sad. But uh, so I put the book together. And. It got released, and as soon as it got released, I was getting phone calls from Bill O'Coin. and Bill Ackoin was telling me he was going to sue me, and and that he I, what I what I finally got to the point was is they were going to bring him back into the fold. Kiss was supposedly bringing him back into to the fold at the time. This might have been another one of their comebacks, or you know, another one of their tours. But Paul deal, I guess, was making sure that Sean's book never got published. But it already had been published. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so I got an attorney and I talked to my attorneys and they read the book and they said, there's nothing in here that's defamatory because the way you, you know, this is it's written from the guy's point of view. It's from Sean. It's Sean's direct words. He didn't say anybody killed anybody. He didn't say this. He brings things to light that give the KISS fans something to think about, especially Mm -hmm. with the whole Marx thing and everything else. And 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 it tells from the beginning the fascinating story of where he came from. How did this kid get to where he was at? And uh, you know, he, he kind of slept his way there, kind of. But he was there, and he was he was he, there was a brilliance about him in in his songwriting and the way he was able to produce, it and the way he could put a show together to give it that pizzazz. Kind of like how he walked into my house and he was interior decorating, or asking <laughs> Did "You do this? Did you do that?" And so there was a lot going on there, and I think, you know, Bill died, so he died off. Um, I ended up running into Gene Simmons at another one of these conventions. And he knew who I was, didn't say a thing about Hellbox. He wanted to know, because I was behind a science fiction graphic novel series, and he walks, you know, he had all his, you know, his whole entourage was around him. and He stops at the booth where we were promoting this book, and he looks at me and he goes, how much is this book making? And I go, this book, you know, as in the comic books. And he goes, yeah. yeah. And I said, uh, making quite a bit. And he goes, and you're trying to pitch this as a film. I said, yeah. And he goes, your people need to get with my people. We need to see. You know, maybe I would buy this. And then we wow. just continue walk on. <laughs> and that was that was Gene Simmons. So um, it was really it was really crazy. But anyway, we help on it had a decent amount of sales it peaked i mean it was selling really fast as soon as it came out and then you know over the years it just kind of dipped and curved and Mm -hmm. you know you find some things online where people had written um reviews for it but um it peaked again a couple years later when i got a call from i want to say they were called 21st century media but and they weren't the first ones there was a couple of uh studios that contacted me and they thought mm-hmm. about they would say how could we turn this into a screenplay so i started to write a screenplay based on the book hellbox um it's in various forms and shapes the one thing that always collapsed the deal is the fact that they all wanted rights to kiss the songs to make the movie and i told them <laughs> that's not me i said i'm in comic books i wrote that book i said you're coming to the wrong guy. Well, then there's no deal. If we can't do that, I go. Well, then I guess there's no deal because this is this man's story, and this and this started right around the time. What was that Mark Wahlberg movie that came out? It was Rockstar. Rockstar, Rockstar.
0: Yep. Yeah.
3: <clears throat> which story, essentially, of Rob Halford, Judas yeah, Priest. Yeah, Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. Changed everything up, and they used a soundtrack from the '80s. There wasn't any Judas Priest music featured in that, and I think that's where. The interest in Hellbox came because they're like, this is cool. Could we do this? So as I started to write the screenplay, when it came to the points where I started writing about Kiss, you never saw them. You would see the back of them or something. And I told them that you'd have to. I said, first of all, you're never going to get the rights to Kiss music to make this story since they wrote them out. I said, you could make a fictitional band up or something, or you could just infer that they're there, but you would never be able to do this, this or this. And I was just telling them the way it was, you know, and I said, you could talk to my attorneys and you could do all that stuff, too. But it's not I can't I'm not the guy. I can't say anything about it. All I have is the book. And actually, I wrote a really clever ending, if it ever makes it to the screen, um, how I could end this and keep it kind of in that that world of ending the 70s with yeah sean and 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 another a big player but that's that's kind of the story in a nutshell you know talking to the guy was fascinating it was really a roller coaster going back into the 70s and just learning about all these things now a lot of the stuff that sean talked about a lot of kiss fans already know if anything this book del- delved into a a little seedier side you know he makes some accusations in the book that you know it gives food for thought it's something to think about you know with Casablanca records and everything but again you know I, I always tell people I I totally believe Sean and I emphatically believe everything that he told me and and that's what I claim I say this book is his story and I believe it myself but it's it's open for anybody else to believe. And again, if you're when we're talking about Kiss, Kiss is they're a great band, but they're almost comedic comedic in and of themselves. You know, they're a parody of themselves, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't take away the love that I have for the band, even, <coughs> with, even with the side. I still love the band for whatever problems that uh, people have with them or that they have with each other. But let's face it, you know, Gene, Gene, and Paul have both been on TV, and and they've said it themselves. They they will milk Kiss for whatever they can, you know. I mean, I have kissed bubblegum cards. I have all the stuff that I collected, and to this day, they're still putting out stuff. I mean, you yeah. could be prepared in a Kiss coffin if you want, with a Kiss credit card if you want. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. that's and the- you're and wait and you're saying this on a Kiss podcast,
3: exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I love Kiss, but you got to admit, I mean, some of its it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, you got to think of the age of, you know, how old they are, which I give props to them that they can still get on stage and do that. But what's genius about it is, is that they can put the makeup on and it takes away how old they really are. In my opinion, if I was Gene and Paul, I would keep Kiss going, even in my elderly years, because you could technically – Get a Sebastian Bach when he was young Or something you could get these guys Put them in makeup and have a young kiss Now because The actual characters that kiss And body could continue to live On with different that, same- that,
1: that could be a completely Separate episode maybe yeah. we'll have You on again for that <laughs> but, but 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 let, let's let's back up Zeus if you want to unpack everything That Brian just said and kind of fire away With some questions yeah then, I I don't, mean, that, that, there's that, There's a lot there and so yeah
2: uh, I I will let's start with let me let me take a step back. Let's start with the book. I will tell you right now, um I didn't share anything with Tom. We have a thing that me and him joke about when we review well, something and we do anything, we always say save it, save it. And you heard us do a little of that before like let's save it till we get live because I liked it to be a little spontaneous. So the people that are listening can kind of hear us go And it's not, we don't believe in the stage shit And all that other crap So what we're saying, I'll tell you right now When I found this book a while back I We had done a, a Kiss episode Where we said um, top five overrated things about Kiss Top five underrated things about Kiss And you remember, and I had one of my things I think it was number one or number two I had Sean Delaney I said that his role in Kiss is so underrated, and that is before I had your book. And I, you know, just by watching even some of his YouTube clips, you can find him in those convention clips yep. where he discusses. I did the book. I did the dancing. I the choreography. The look. The I went to the S and M stores and got him that look. I did their hair. I told him to move like this. I got Gene the blood. I had him do this. I helped him with the songs. I helped him with the theatrics, the bombs, and all that stuff. I was the tour manager. I drove him to the shows. You're like, holy shit. I didn't realize he did so much of this stuff. And some of the great songs of Kiss. He wrote some of them. And then he produced Gene's album. So I had known of all this. And then, you know what? His story kind of vanishes after the 70s. And so I thought that his role was very underrated. By doing that, I just Googled him a little more, you know, besides Wikipedia and stuff. And I found your book. And I was like, I remember telling Tom, I was like, do you know that there's a book out there on him? I had no idea. I ordered it. Got it. I think I'm not sure if I was um, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Got it. Uh, let's I mean, real quickly, I'll tell you, the book is about what? 117, 18 pages. It right. is a, yeah. It is a easy read. It is a fun read. You go through it quickly. There's a bunch of kiss nuggets in there. Obviously, we're not going to tell you everything. We want you to go buy the book, right? But there's a lot of stuff in there that, you know, us running a P- kiss podcast, we found new and interesting. There's a lot of stuff in the beginning, personal shit that, kind of he lets us in on a world that I don't know <laughs> I didn't know existed and as you were saying when you know you first walk in and meet him and he's like oh you're gay aren't you and that whole world like the 60s and the 70s and his life in the army I, and like the, the boyfriend that abused him and all this other stuff and then how he met Bill Coin. I'm like how, this stuff goes on this like this is a world that none of us are familiar <laughs> with and it opened our eyes for us, to, you know, from being so naive to think this shit isn't going on. And it, it was fascinating. But then you quickly get into the story about how he meets Kiss, you know, through Bill Coin and what he puts his energy in and the beginning stages of Kiss and his impact. It's awesome. And then there's the other aspect of it that I thought was the biggest, you know, takeaway for me was that part about the money in the end where um, the office and the receptionist there at uh, at Bill's office, the one that, you know, had an overdose but never did drugs and everybody else in the, over- in the office did drugs. And then somebody else comes in and he doesn't recognize this woman and he puts it together years later on. And he's like, that's where I recognized her. And if I only knew that, what would have happened differently with my life Kiss's life, of Coin's life. If I picked up on this, it's kind of like uh, like an unsolved mystery that happens at the end, and you're like, "Holy shit!" So I will yeah. tell you, this is one of the best Kiss books I've read. Um, <clears throat> it's an a light, easy, fun read. Diehard Kiss fans should get it, even if you're not a diehard Kiss fan. But the diehards, the ones that listen to take their time to listen to us, go get it. You're gonna love it. And uh, I, we don't do thumbs up or any shit like that. But I love the book, Brian. I thought it was well written. It, You know, a, a character that uh, in Kiss's world that I always thought positive of. I come away with thinking positive of him. The only thing I would think is that I feel bad for him because it seemed like there was a lot of unresolved anger at the end. And even yeah. to the point where you're telling us. You know, here's a man that is like, "Oh, kiss is gonna not like this." And even in his uh, YouTube clips where he's talking about, oh, this is their worst nightmare. He still kisses their ass. He still loves them. He still will protect them. He still wants to wear kiss a kiss T-shirt in his coffin. He's got kiss music playing, but he just wanted the recognition. and I think that he felt like if they just said, yeah, and I know later on there were some kind words said later on, where they've kind really? of admitted his role, but they don't yeah. talk about it much. But if they're pinpointed on, they think they feel guilty. You know, there are other people that say I've heard Lydia Chris say absolutely is the fifth kiss member. Absolutely more so than Bill Coin was Sean. And then I've heard others you know that say without him there wouldn't be a kiss without Sean. So it has gotten better over the years. But this book, I will tell you, um, I'm so glad that I found it. And uh, they were able to get you on to talk a little bit more about it. But I loved it. And I just kind of want to hear what Tom's going to say about it.
1: Yeah. So, again, Brian, that, that story, the, the story was just, just amazing. Because like Zeus said, eh, eh, diehard Kiss fans, people that are listening to our show, people that read the Kiss books and listen to, the, you know, you know the music, they know who Sean Delaney is. And and, and like Zeus said, and like you said, it, what a troubled life and a troubled Man that he was a talented a talented visionary man, and you wish that you know with the work that you did with this book is is stunning, and the way that you like what you said that you didn't you wrote the book as if Sean wrote it instead of you saying, and then Sean told me this, and then Sean said this it's you don't know it, it, like it it's like as he's he's writing and he's he's putting the book together <clears throat> and you wonder if if Sean. Because there's kiss books about out there about everything about you know every era, uh, some you know member specific books, um, but you wish the story that Sean has to tell. This is such a great book, and you wonder if Sean was a little bit more. I hate to use the word stable because it almost sounds insulting, but you wonder if he was a little bit more stable. If he could have put a book. Together, that could have been maybe two or three times bigger than this, because you know he has so much to tell, because he was involved so much um in this book. Like Zeus said, reading it, we we've read every kiss book that there has ever been invented, or ever, ever published. We've read them all, probably more than once. And for a book that's only 117 pages long, I learned more things in this book, and that's just because it was from Sean Delaney, and. You know, I thank you for taking this project on and, and giving us this book. And that's why we wanted you on to let people know that this book exists and that y- you have to read it. And there's things in here that you're just going to be like, I-, I-, I can't believe this. How- why does why does no one else know about this? And, and I'll, I'll finish with just a quick question and then you can kind of talk about it. The, when you say that people like Bill Coyne and other people wanted this book squashed, it kind of leads me to believe what
3: you said. I believe Sean. I think people wanted it squashed because again, even if you go through all of history and and now, you know, you would think that okay, the guys are so old now, who cares? Everybody's got money and everything. But it's there's a lot of fragile egos that still are there and they just I don't know what it is and I guess Sean couldn't understand it either, but and that's why I wrote it his point of view because when I interviewed him and you hear his voice he was a broken man they broke him and it tells of his his youth he didn't go to any traditional college he didn't know you know what he had was in a, a born ability you know to keep time to write to you know there's, there's some people out there that are like that he, he and he, unfortunately he got passed over and he was He was a tragic figure that they was able to throw away. And I don't think he even believed that they would do that to him. But it's like once they throw you out of the ivory tower and you've got no paperwork, almost like you have no ID to prove who you are, prove who these stories were, there was no one going to be able to listen to him. But when he was at the top, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, there was a uh, there was a book and then there was a biopic on Liberace. Did you see that? It had Michael Douglas.
1: And, yes.
3: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. You get some of these guys that got on the inside with these famous people. They didn't really have, you know, I mean, it was like being a spouse or something. They were just there. The money was there. They're going to the parties. They're hobnobbing. But something came down where they kicked Sean out of the fold. And once he was out of the fold, he was out of the fold. And, and I, I, I try to put myself in his shoes, and it must have been tough to live with. I mean, seriously, to be able to walk around and say, yep, I'm the one that made Kiss. I'm the one that dressed. And no one's going to believe you because Kiss saturated pop culture with who they, they were and who they are. And there's no room to talk about the little guy, especially when the little guy was so far from being in the limelight anymore. But you know, his name appears on albums, you know, there was pictures out there, but as time went by, he just slowly got erased. But like you said, he there has been some nice things said um in, in now that he's gone, but it's like it's too late. You know, the guy left a mark on the world that unfortunately he never got to. I mean, we all do things and we wanna we wanna feel that little good inside that oh yeah i was behind that he never got that and know, a- and know
1: and and, bef- and and like we we talked a little bit about this before we started recording but you know you know zeus and i we we, we, we love the band obviously we, we wouldn't be doing a podcast we've been following the band since we were little kids we love the band but one thing that we're proud of with our show is that we're not afraid to call out the band when they do things that are silly or when they do things that deserve criticism And one thing that we've that that we've talked about is sometimes the way that the band can treat people in the Kiss family tree, whether it be former members or former uh, managers or or anybody. And 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 reading this book and hearing what you're saying, your experiences were with Sean and the way that the band kind of kicked him to the curb. It's it. I'll be honest with you. It's it's disappointing um, because you don't want to believe that somebody as important to the band as Sean Delaney would be treated that way. Um, and it's, it's, I know it's business, it's life. Um, but that is a sad and tragic aspect to Sean's life. And I'm sure obviously in the book and what you, your experiences with him, that weighed on him and what, what human being would not have that way on them.
3: My heart went out to him. You know, when, when I met him, when Roy introduced me to him, there's just it was something so compelling about it, and and that's what I tried to bring to the book because everybody knows the stories. They saw the sad old man sitting there at the convention, and he and he tells the story. He doesn't tell where he came from. He doesn't talk about these truck stops. He doesn't talk about uh, being in the military and the instrument that he played and what his take on all that was. So I thought it was really interesting to build up to that and then get into the kiss stuff because that's what he had to talk about. And, uh, so a little bit of irony, every couple years I hear from, from somebody about this book, like I heard from you guys. And, uh, last year I heard from a woman named Deborah Suprick and she's still alive. I want to say she might be in her seventies, but she called me and I can't remember exactly how she found the book, but she found the book too. And she says, do you know who I am? I said, I really don't. And I looked her up and she's, uh, a music producer she ended up working in the industry she says she says Fran who in the book you guys read about yeah. yep those used to babysit me and all of wow. a sudden she gone one day and nobody knew what happened to her and somehow i came across this book and she goes and i read this book and she goes i cried i had tears in my eyes you're the only oh. person i could talk to about this she goes and, and I, I talked to her for about two hours about Sean and everything, because there was just a little little nugget in this book that gave her a little bit of closure. And it had nothing to do with KISS. Wow. Um, to me, what I tell people is that this, this story is, it's not just about KISS. This is about somebody who worked in the music business. He was surrounded by the things that, that happened with KISS. He actually influenced Kiss, but this is the story of a – this happens to a lot of people, and I'm sure it happened to a lot of people. And, you know, we live in a different world now. Um, I wonder what Sean would have thought of the world now. I don't even know if he would have lived that long because, you know, he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of health issues, but that was a guy that was beat down. And when when they came to me, that's the reason the book got done, too, because – I didn't he brought this to a lot of people and everybody wanted an upfront fee as an author to do it. And I was a fan of KISS first and foremost. And I said, Man, I would love to do this. And that's the same with Roy. Roy knew who he was because he knew his name off the back of albums. And he says, Yeah, I'll help you. I'll give you an album cover for some new band. And uh and that's why we clicked with him because we did it and we didn't ask for anything in return. I think all we said was because of course, you know, he was telling me he had these ins. He was going to get on the David Letterman show. And I said, OK, Sean, just make sure you don't do to us what Kiss did to you. If this happens, <laughs> I just want some credit, you know, and he, and he and that's what he agreed to. And it's just unfortunate that he died. and He didn't get to see the book published because I can only imagine what he would have done with the book because he was totally willing to be that guy. It would have went out there. He would have fought. He would have gotten Gene's face. He would have gotten Bill's face and everything. And 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 that's why I wish that would have happened because it was. It's his story. And that was his story to do that with. Just like it's, it's to me, it's still his story. Belongs to his estate. I hope that it can go somewhere someday because I think this would make a great uh, telepic film. You know, whether they change the person around or whatever. But it would be great for people to know. Who, who knows? Maybe when we're all gone and Kiss is all gone, this person's story will be told and they'll be able to do justice based on the book. But uh, he really was a fascinating guy. Yeah. He was really fascinating.
2: So uh, something for that I wanted to bring up, and I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you. Other, I don't see why Kiss would be so offended by this book. There's no insults to them. Um, the only thing that I... The only time I think they really came across bad was the that Peter acted at one point kind of uh, snobby at one point, got a little bit too big and talked to Sean like he was the help. And there's a story in there what he does to him. That's a great part. But other than that, even Bill, I mean, I get it if he was closeted and he's like, I don't want this book to come out because it's talking about my sex life. But Bill doesn't come across as a bad guy. Now, later on, Paul and Gene, they all kind of throw Bill under the bus with unfortunately they, you know, talk about losing basically a coin management, Bill and Sean's company, because of Bill's drug abuse and things like that. That's not even in this book. There's no real talk about Bill being. Out of control, drug abuse You know, problems that Paul and Gene Brought up about Bill So even him, I'm like, he doesn't even come Across bad, what I think the Issue of the book is And one of the parts I want to bring up And I want to be a devil's advocate here And that is It's the Glickman-Marx Duo That comes across as bad Now, you can see I think they're the ones They're the villains in this book And in addition to that, it, it kind of goes to the point that when did the shit hit the fan in the eighties? So late seventies and eighties and all that stuff. And then they found out that they, you know, I, Paul always tells a story. I woke up one day and I found out I was broke. You know, they, they screwed up my investment, all that other stuff. Sean has another interesting part to talk about the financing stuff. It's in the book. People buy it. You'll find it fascinating. But the part that I think is, I believe that it looks like at that point in time, it's the 80s. We all know where Kiss was in the 80s. Paul and Gene are fending for themselves. They're not thinking of reunion Kiss in 96 and the biggest tour of the year and they're back up on top again. They're struggling to survive. Looking at each other, what wig should I wear? What costume should I wear to keep up with Bon Jovi and Def Leppard? Yep. They got their own problems. They don't want to be here about Sean and Bill and a coin management and Clickman, Marks, and all these people that they supposedly felt trusted. They don't know who really fucked them over, but they did get fucked over. And, That's I, think true. They, and I think these, and you know where Paul and Gene are with drugs and stuff? And Sean always had that the drug stuff right in front of them, but he did have their back. I think they just washed their hands. I think they just... Said that's it we're done I don't want to deal With this I don't want any drama let's get rid of All, all of them and move on And I, we all know that Eventually Paul and Gene Get new management and whether You know what happened with Clickman Marks all that stuff I think they washed their hands because I've never heard them At least publicly or seen much Of them shitting on Sean I've, I've heard Paul and Gene say That Bill was whacked out on drugs especially paul and that they had to remove because he knows how the fans think of bill a coin so he he has to make it seem a lot worse probably than yeah this guy that did all this stuff and paid for everything on his american express cards through the lean times to get kissed where they are uh yeah we, at the end we just told him to fuck off and same thing with sean i think they they have to have this image like, no, 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 no. We were still trying to keep KISS alive. These people had drugs. Ace did, Peter did, Sean was messed up. They, you know, the, the management stole our money. I want to be clean of this. So I feel like I mean, at least I'm thinking of Gene and Paul, they've real no reason to say anything. Sean isn't saying anything like. Paul didn't know how to sing a note until I showed him how to sing. Uh, Gene didn't have any talent until I told him, you need to do. It wasn't that way. This book is pretty clear that he kind of brought this stuff to them and worked with the band and brought the best out of the band. But it wasn't Sean. Wasn't being a jerk about this and saying, oh, yeah, there's no kiss without me. He just wants credit. And I don't know why they would give have a hard time about this book. I don't know why Bill would have a hard time about this book. I think there's two people. One of them is now since past would have a hard time about this book. And they're the villains of this story. But that's how I, I see it.
3: I think one of the things that I got from, from Sean was the fact that I think he had a revenge thing against Bill as well. Because Bill, he felt Bill really shut him out. And that Bill really you know, let's, let's face it. I think there was a lot of that. Like you said, Kiss eventually they wanted to wash their hands of everything. I think Bill wanted to wash his hands of uh, Sean. It, it was a trickle down effect. And, and I, I honestly, Sean, he wasn't so bitter with Kiss as he was with the fact that he couldn't get through to anybody so that he could be recognized. And that again, that's because, you know, like, like you said, Kiss was moving on; they had to move on. They washed their hands of it, and and here these guys were, you know, kind of fending for themselves, bill a coin flapping around. I think that <clears throat> Sean was in touch with Bill a lot as the book was being written. So sometimes I don't know if if Bill was trying to get a back door back into Kiss and was purposefully trying to shut it down through Sean because he didn't want to look bad because mm-hmm. he wanted back in the good graces and by letting sean write a book and again most kiss fans these are all stories these are all fabled stories that everybody knows a little bit about this stuff already but i guess sean just wanted to have his say more so than just having his say at a convention he wanted it to be in fine print i think he wanted to be interviewed by somebody bigger than life i think. You know, he wanted to be, to go back in the day, he wanted to be interviewed by Tom Snyder. He wanted to be interviewed by Dick Cavett. He wanted to be interviewed by David Letterman. And uh, who knows nowadays, is he going to be on Kelly Clarkson's show or whatever, Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) He just, he wasn't asking for much. I don't think Sean didn't care about the wealth. He didn't want to be rich. He wanted to be noticed for what he did in music history. He wanted to be credited for that. And, of course, that would have given him more credibility in the industry, so he could have gotten work. He never had to leave the industry. You know, he'd be producing today, you know, for some genre of music, for some artist, somewhere. And he was still trying to do that. But it was much harder not having the credentials that he worked so hard for and yeah. undeservingly had pulled out from under him.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's why I said, as, as amazing as this book is, and we're so happy that you put it together with Sean, you know, it's a shame that like what we call, you know, the fifth member of kiss, you know, one, one of the most important and relevant and riveting stories is in a book that unfortunately a lot of people don't know exists, which is why, again, we're so happy to have you on here because we want to get this out and let people know that this unbelievable story um you know i wish it was bigger but what we have that that it, it it exists and my question is was there ever a time when you were working with Sean that you th- that like that you thought about getting like a like a a bigger publisher or anybody involved to get did Sean want that or did Sean it, like did how it. How, how, did, how what did Sean want did he want you know a Simon and Schuster type publisher out there to take his book like did did he want that
3: That's what he wanted. He wanted, he wanted to, and we we made a deal. I was like, yeah, I will do this for you. If you he wanted to be the go-getter, he was willing to fly where he needed to fly, do what he needed to do. He just for some reason over all the years couldn't put it together himself. Yeah. And, And you know, he wanted it to be big. He wanted it to be big. He dreamed of having it made as a movie. He dreamed of it. I mean, he wanted so much and he put a lot of thought into the hell box. Um, at one point, he did have something he wanted to call himself. He wanted to call the book The Fifth Kiss. And I think he got some pushback from that <clears throat> is what he had told me. And so when he started to think of Hellbox, uh, we started to talk about what do you mean hell box? And if you look closely at the cover and you see the snakes and and the demon horns that he has, he wanted to portray himself as is the person that he was a combination of everything that he gave to kids because he, he claims he taught them how to bring their inner character out. And his hell box was his whole life shoved into this box. And he said that he lived in a living hell because of what he had done. And that sometimes he would wake up and he says, I don't even, I don't even know that that was me. Was I even there? he had a a real identity problem that he said he likened back to the time when he was a closet. It was a closeted gay young man. He said in his later years, he just, sometimes he just, he felt so boxed, didn't know what to do. And he really thought that putting his story out there would be like unleashing the demon inside of him and really being able to get it out there. And unfortunately it ends where it does because In good conscience, I I couldn't write any further because everything else would not be true to the facts that he was giving me. You know, he sometimes when the recording was off and we'd be driving him home or something, you know, he'd start talking again and he was talking about more current things and what his likes and his passions were, but it wasn't on the record. And you know, and I didn't want that's the one thing I didn't want to make is a hearsay book. You know, Mm -hmm. this from him. And uh, anybody that's interested in his perspective, it's a really interesting perspective. It's like sitting down. I wanted to give everybody else that same feeling of if you sat down with this man and talked to him, this is the story he's going to tell you uh, in its most concise form, but still is, is particular and as it can be with details. It's got its own intricacy there. And I'm really proud of it. And, uh, you know, getting able to talk to you guys has really brought it back to the forefront again, because again, it's one of the projects that, you know, you know, it it never goes away. It's out there. And I, I just wish Sean was, was able to share that because in the end he did get a book out there. There is something that if people could just find it, it's all him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, the one question I wanted to ask you too, is did you guys ever get to the point where he was maybe discussing each member individually talking about, let me tell you about Paul. I think he's this and this, that let me tell you about Gene or Peter or ACE or anything specifically about a certain album that he was working on. I like this song. I hate this song or this album. I think they went into it all wrong and uh, -and so-and-so was shit faced and uh, I got this guy and things like that.
3: He did say that, and I—that's why I bring it up. Uh, when you wish upon a star, <laughs> he said that Gene was adamant about putting that on the album, and it had to do with his own childhood, and he just wanted it on there. Sean, he said he was—he was asked about it, and he said, "No, don't put that on there." But Gene really wanted to put it on there. Um, <clears throat> he did say, he did say emphatically that they're the most narcissistic bunch of people he'd ever met in his life. (laughs) And at the time he said, but I was a narcissist too at the time he goes, and that's why I clicked with them. He said, uh, you know, Bill had the vision or had the money to keep this boat afloat. And he goes, and I had the vision and he just dumped these guys in my lap. And, and, uh, and I just kind of took them and molded them. And, um, he, he said that, they couldn't see, and then this is, he said they couldn't see what he saw. And i they think, uh, he goes, maybe they thought it was the drugs, and maybe it was the drugs talking through me, but he goes, I just knew that they had to come up with, you know, their personality inside. So these characters that you see in Kiss, it's something that Sean claims. He pushed and pushed and pushed to have them draw these characters out from from that. and I think later when you see later on when they had to get new band members and they tried to create new characters, it didn't quite work. Yeah and I think that's another testament to what Sean must have done, you know, what he must have contributed to them thinking about their own characters because when it came time to replace characters, uh, they never it never clicked. The way yeah. it originally did, and so in the end, what we have now is two people that, for what the past decade, maybe two that have been playing the same characters of um, that Ace played and Peter played. It's just, it's just really, I don't know. It's it's one of the most fascinating real life stories. You know, you know if if there's interplanetary beings out there monitoring us, and they were. <laughs> band kiss and they'd wonder like what is that all about and and seeing you know multitudes worshiping them in stadiums and you got to think it's not just the band it's the people that went behind it and and kind of created that although they did do a lot of their creation it's just one man this guy that seamlessly came out of nowhere who really inspired them
1: one yeah. one one last question for me before we before we let you go, and we appreciate the time that you've given us so far we really do um I know that one thing that Sean and myself share um as much as I love them, I listen to them frequently, but Sean was not a big fan of the band doing the solo albums um he and and the same reason again, I love the music um I love the album covers, I love everything about that whole era. But Sean, his fear was kind of founded because he, was, he, he knew that it was pretty much going to tear the band apart. And, yeah. and it eventually did. whether, whether or not the bear, the band would have been torn apart anyways, you know, who knows. But can you just give a little bit of, of a little bit about that about what he said about that? Because it, it's a little bit in the book, and we've read about it in some other books. But hearing it from Sean, I would have liked to have, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall did he say anything to the band and what did he say to the members or, or bill a coin or, or you,
3: you know, specifically. I remember he he told me that when he would talk to bill, bill just kind of, you know, would wash himself from it because at, the, at that point it's like, you know, money's coming in, let the guys do what they want to do. And and in, in here, Sean, he, he, he kind of felt like he was being slapped in the face. I remember him specifically he goes back to the story of the abusive relationship that he had in the military and he felt he was being abusively told that you know your opinion doesn't matter you need to stay out of this even though he really felt like man I I feel like I create you know not created them but I I felt so involved in bringing them to where they're at and I've really got to say that this is a bad mistake and he started to bring up He was still well-versed in music and stuff. He was talking about uh, Beyonce and Destiny's Child. He was talking about bands that he said, once they start going and doing their solo things, he says they never come back and they're never the same because one will always rise above the rest and there will be an animosity. And he he felt very bitterly, Although he says, he, in the same breath, he would say how honored he was that he was asked to produce when he, he still didn't agree with the whole and he And he disliked that his opinion wasn't really counted for. Him. And I think at that time is when it really started to go, where he felt like, uh, I'm just a kind of a dismissive voice, because Bill's making all the business decisions, and he's making, and he's not putting, nobody was thinking about the creative side even the band members themselves. I mean, they wanted to be creative by doing their own albums, but even then, you know, true to the way all of them were, it was more about, wouldn't it be fantastic to see myself on an album and myself singing these songs. And they were all getting that bigger head and uh, it really bothered Sean. And, And of course, in hindsight, he was right again, another Testament to what he saw that, else was looking at at that time
2: yep. yeah I think the part of this and I'll end with this is I think you're right in the, in the sense that the other part of this is I think he even says it in the book at some point these guys aren't uh, never were really friends with each other this isn't a band that grew up together played for five years were buddy buddies and went through something together they kind of tried to become successful as a band but they're really individuals. And the second they hit it big, I'm the star child. Well, I'm the demon and I write them well, I'm, I got the biggest hit. Well, I just want to play rock and roll. They all had separate identities inside the band as well. So the second they could separate themselves, they were fine with that. There was no camaraderie. And I think Sean probably picked up on that. And it's like, these guys are going to split. This isn't the Jackson five. Uh, like a family or something else or a band that's come up together and it's like, these guys are blood brothers. These guys were never that close. They still aren't. But the one point I want to get to the last question I wanted to ask you is, was there something, a story or something interesting that you wish you could put in the book that you and Sean talked about, but because of your code of ethics that you said this needs to be from the tape um, it, I need to be from interviews And it needs to be Sean's voice The stories that Sean's told you about Kiss, Gene, Paul, Bill Anything that you like You could tell us now on the podcast <laughs> Because it's not in the book And it's not going against Sean's code But is there something in there That's interesting that you can tell us From Sean that we would love to hear about
3: He to talked- put in the book Talk to me about Elvis Presley Oh, there you go and- And he talked to me about his thoughts on whether Elvis was really dead or not.
2: Oh, Jesus.
3: (laughs) He told me something that stuck with me. And uh, I actually, as I I started to pen the screenplay version, that's kind of how I would like to end the screenplay. Sean, as a destitute, he's sitting in a diner, smoking his cigarettes, telling his stories. And an old Cadillac with tinted windows, <laughs> early 80s, pulls up, guy gets out, gray hair, sits down, starts to tell the same kind of stories that he's telling to him. When he leaves, we realize it's inferred that that was probably Elvis Presley. <laughs> and, he <was> John Delaney. <laughs> and Sean was fascinated by this. And actually, he talked about this a lot he would bring up the whole elvis thing and to this day it makes me wonder and i gotta tell you as i as i attended the funeral when i looked at him for the last time in his open casket i thought about that i thought (laughs) if i didn't see you there dead now i would think that maybe this was a last attempt to try to facilitate or start a, a legend or a legacy about yourself to get people talking because that's what he really wanted to do. That's what wow. he really wanted.
1: To do. Wow. That's so fascinating. huh? That, that's unbelievable. Wow. wow. Brian, this has been unbelievable. Uh, obviously we could talk to you all night because <laughs> the, the, the book and Sean in, Delaney in general is just, it's fascinating stuff. And we thank you, so much for taking the time And we hope that we can bring this book Shine light on it To our listeners and fans And, and get it out there and, and, and let people know what they're missing out on um, And you know Again we thank you so much Yeah,
2: Thank
3: you, thank Brian, you for having me.
2: Tell us Tell us some of your other projects Before we let you go What are you working on Something you want to bring attention In addition uh, Please let people know where they can find you Your work and especially this book, but tell us what you've been up to and what you're doing these days. Uh-huh.
3: Something that uh, well, I'm writing for some commercials right now. But one of the things that I was involved with, and this was a couple years back too, I got into the whole resurgence of the uh, of the Dallas, the old TV show Dallas. Yeah, and wow, I actually helped get that thing rolling before they remade it again as a TV series for TNT. Yeah. What I- what I had done is I was able to sit with the cast and I came up with a comic book version um, that might still be out there. You can probably look it up online. Uh, right, you know, type in a Dallas comic book. I think it's free out there. People can actually see a take on the Ewings that happened. You know, ten years maybe after the original series ended, and you, know? you could see what the take was on the J.R. Ewing and Bobby thing. Of course, since Jr. had really passed in real life and, and the new TV series kind of uh, failed after three seasons. But um, if people are interested in that, they can go online and check it out by typing like .dot Dallas comic book. And they should be able to see. It's really cool. They have it. its flip pages and it's free. Anybody can go to it. Wow. Um, the one thing that I've been behind for probably two decades now, and that's the graphic novel series, the Villicon Chronicles. It's V-I-L-M-I-K-O-N Chronicles. And uh, it's a graphic novel series that ran in the early 2000s, and uh, still gets a lot of steam to this day. I can't begin to tell you the stories behind that and trying to get it picked up as a motion picture franchise. But with so many streamers nowadays, you know, uh, you don't you're not stuck with just a studio or this studio. You've got right. you know, all CBS All Access and Hulu and Netflix, and they're all out there. So. Yeah. You know, gone are days when you can, where you were just segmented to a small select thing, which is why I say Hellbox has a good chance. If it was if it was so out there, there would be some producers somewhere that would be willing to take the chance and find a way to tell Sean's story in uh, in in a different medium. So let's hope that happens. But, uh, yeah, you can look for Villacon Chronicles uh, that's out there and all the stuff you can see it online. Just type my name, type the uh, projects, and they'll pop up.
2: And Hellbox is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble.
3: Um, uh, Also, I think they could get it at Ex Libris. That's X-L-I-B-R-I-S. They were the original ones that had published it. But, uh, yeah, people can pick it up from Amazon, from Barnes & Noble. And I know over the years, it's gone from just being – print in paperback or hard back. They can also get it as a notebook or whatever, you know, it's a discounted okay. price. People just like to read that on their Kindles and stuff. So um, yeah. it's another way that they can, they can get it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. The name of the book is Sean Delaney's Hellbox. box. Uh, and again, we thank Brian Kennard for joining us, Brian. This has been fascinating. Um, good luck to you and all your future projects. And please stay in touch with uh, Shout It Out Loudcast, and uh, we'd love to have you back on and talk more, KISS. Thank you again so much.
3: I will. Look forward to it.
2: Brian, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. Guys, go out and get this book. Thank you. Take care, Brian.
3: All right. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. We're back.
1: <laughs> yes, Kramer. And we're back. So that was Brian Kennard. Um, What a great... Uh, thoughtful informative uh passionate interview with uh with brian um his story is amazing Uh, a story that we didn't know um even when zeus and i were talking about having this uh this interview with brian we're like we don't know a lot about brian's background like what was his role with with sean and when he unleashed that story that background just just an amazing and informative and tragic Story about Sean Um, And I'm so glad that Brian came on here To talk about the background of of his uh, Relationship with him
2: Yeah it was funny because we were like What if we put him on the show And he just simply says I don't like Kiss, I don't even know anything about him I was just his neighbor and he asked me to write this I just wrote it in I just took his words and wrote it And did you know Sean? No Yeah. Okay thanks, we'll see you next week (laughs) That's what we were afraid of Because we don't know anything about Brian and uh, couldn't have been nicer. Such a great guy. Very informative. Obviously knew, got to know Sean. And uh, we have a couple things probably in the works with him coming down down the pipe that we'll uh, put on the show a little bit later that he, he kind of hinted at. But I found it com- so fascinating hearing about this stuff and, you know, the way he comes across in this book. Is exactly how you know when Sean described meeting him for the first time, walking in his house, saying, "Oh, that picture, this, this, and that. Hey, you're gay, aren't you?" And yep. Sean's like, what? "And in uh," Brian's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Oh yeah, you are. Like just completely, like confident in himself, a character, eccentric guy. <laughs> And uh, he couldn't do anything Unless he got to smoke a cigarettes So they're like a thousand degrees Sweating in puddles Just because that's the way he had to do it I can totally picture it The book itself we, we try not to give the big stories And the big reveals Of what's in the book to you guys There's stuff in there that you read That you're going to be like Oh shit, I didn't know that I didn't know that It's fascinating The big Reveal for me I would say is the The there's a story In there that Sean talks about And it's uh Has to do with the You know the finances part and how he Got kind of cut out and how Bill got cut out and Glickman Marks and and the Receptionist lady there named Fran And her suspicious Death and all this other Crap and then how you know We know the story later on we're Even Paul in his book and everyone else is like, what do you mean I'm broke? And how did that come to be? And from that transfer of the coin management of KISS to all of a sudden them then getting their own business managers of Glickman, Marks, right? And that group then changing the dynamic of basically Bill and Sean's relationship with KISS, how it changed KISS. I mean, Sean was basically there to live with them, monitor to them, be like almost like a rock and roll director, as he once said in the book. A rock, you know, no, I want these costumes. Nope, I don't want this in there. Nope, you need to move like this. Nope, I, I think you shouldn't do this. No, I need you to add this into the song. Create, like stuff that he was very creative, and he wasn't looking for credit um, as far as the, hey, you guys need to be putting this in the album. I need my cut. He was just looking for validation And appreciation from the band And sadly, I don't think he got What he wanted from them uh, I think it more or less has to do Because as I said to Brian That Unfortunately, I think they got, the band got To the point where by late 70s, early 80s They're like, we got our own fucking problems Everybody else is on drugs The only two people that are not on drugs Are the two driving forces in this band Gene and Paul So fuck everybody, we're looking out for ourselves and I think that's what happened and Sean got caught up in that.
1: Yeah, it's a it, it like we've said before, it's a it's a tragic story because of the the value that Sean had to the band. Um the beginning of the book is very, very um you know, it it's Sean's it's Sean's background, his upbringing, uh, his life before Kiss, in Kiss, after Kiss. Um and like Zeus said, we don't want to give too many stories away, but I'll tell you right now, there's a couple chapters in there, specifically the one on Kiss Alive that will raise some eyebrows for sure in terms of kiss the kiss fandom, but then it evolves into almost like a true crime story near the end. Um, and it's, uh, and it's very sad. And the tragic passing, like Brian talked about the tragic passing of Sean just shocked everybody. Um, because there was a lot more that I think Sean wanted to, uh, be able to tell. And uh, unfortunately that wasn't there. So this is one of the reasons why the book is the size that it is. But I think Sean is, uh, was very concise in what he wanted To put into this book And I think that's why there's a lot of information For a sh- a small book And it's worth every word
2: Yeah, this book came out in 2004 Yep 16 years ago So, reading this book Today Is still kind of like, what the fuck But 16 years ago uh, Like Gay themes and rock and roll And all that stuff I can see why it was a little bit shunned and maybe bill and all them were like, Hey, I don't want you talking about that. There's some, there's like some gruesome shit in here. And I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm just talking about abuse and stuff that, you know, if I, if I read this when I was a young, a lot younger and immature, I'd be like, Holy fuck. This is weird. You know as a grown man now and an adult I can appreciate for what it is And you look at it and you're like holy shit This guy went through a lot And he talks about A, a side of America Growing up that I didn't know Existed there's this whole Because I'm not a gay man And there's this whole side of Like almost like a Secret society that I like oh, That doesn't happen but Sean is blunt and tells you exactly what it is you know, especially when he goes into the military and he thinks like he needs to get out of this. He's trying to cure his gayness, basically. And if anything, it made it worse for him in the sense that it was just as bad there. And, um, you know, something that you wouldn't expect some, you know, historically to be accurate, especially during that time period. But he opened my eyes to a lot of what was going on in America and uh, the underground of, That lifestyle, and then going to New York And the underbelly of New York City In the late 60s and early 70s I feel like it was a fucking Serpico or or movie Or
1: Mean Streets, a Scorsese movie reading this Really? Yeah, Sean was brutally honest in this book And like Brian hinted at that There's there's no flies on Sean What you saw and what you heard is what you got from him And uh, that book uh, this this book talks about that, and like Zeus said, some very graphic and, and really kind of upsetting sections in this book about his uh, the life that he led. I mean, like Zeus and I were reading the book, we will be texting each other, and be like, "Dude, did you get to chapter so and so about this?" Like, Jesus Christ! Like, you know. And then it kicks into gear with 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 kiss, and then it just takes you on that trip, the highs and lows. You know, one of the things that I asked Sean uh, Brian, I I wanted more. But unfortunately, this is what we got. And I'm so glad that we have at least this because it's just it's just so brutally honest and right out there. And you guys are gonna love every minute of it. It is available on Amazon in paperback. It's available on Barnes and Noble. I think Brian mentions that too. But I can't stress it enough. If you are a KISS fan, you need this book. No doubt about it.
2: Yeah, it's like less than 20 bucks. Yep. Go out and buy it. Read it yourself. I'm telling you, it is
1: well worth it. And I know you might be listening to, I know you might be saying, oh, I've read all the Kiss books. I've read that. I'm telling you, and I'm not just saying this. We're not getting paid by Brian or by anybody. There are things in this book that I have never read in any other Kiss book, bio or autobiography or anything. Uh, Like Zeus said, for less than 20 bucks, you got to add it to your collection. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And you know, it's you see where he ends up and then we, you said to me, you texted me at one point, holy shit, at the end he, see, he, he seemed like a very angry man. Very. And I don't think he was asking for much in life because he, he got a pretty raw deal. He yep. had a pretty tough life. He had his highs and lows. But what I think he wanted to was not feel that sense of betrayal. And that betrayal that he felt hurt him more than some of the physical abuse that he took from other people and the hurt that he felt physically. And he, you know, he gave more to kiss and the band and make to make them work. than he gave himself when he was the artist trying to be, make it in the music industry, you know? And I think that's because he felt like they had the talent and they had the stuff. And he wasn't going to let what happened to him as an artist happen to them. Because he had a person like himself. He didn't have a person like himself protecting him. Well, he was going to protect kiss. And uh, it was pretty clear that he did his best and did a great job in the beginning. And his contribution is, is just underappreciated.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I said too during the in- talking to Brian was, you know, you've, you've heard us, you've listened to our show. You're a kiss fan. You know, that unfortunately, Paul and Gene specifically sometimes have a hard time with how they treat former members, former management, former people in the kiss family tree. And it looks like at the time, maybe Sean was one of those people that maybe wasn't treated the way that he should have been. And it's, um, it's just too bad for Sean.
2: So when I think out loud and we're just having a, we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Yeah. Out loud. The four biggest deaths in kiss. I would say Eric Carr. Uh, I would say Mark St. John. I would say Bob Kulick, Sean Delaney. Let me add a fifth, uh, Bill of Bill of Coin. Yep. Let me add a six, J.R. Smallings, right? Those six that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head. Which of them ended with Kiss, <clears throat> Paul, and Gene showing a very tender, a very emotional send-off Or a very, like, sad or very uh, stoic Like, just very... Um, emotional Yeah, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can think of the word um, Like, showing their appreciation of this person And their contribution to the band yep. And what they meant to them In and out of the band And as people... Do you get a sense of that at all From any of those six people that I've talked about Have you ever read anything and just been like Wow that really touched them His, no, death, it's- his death or loss Really affected him The only time I can think of any death That has affected any one of them Honestly Off the top of my head Is I would say and it really touched me Because it was very tender Was Gene's mom Yep. Now I don't expect Gene to treat Bill of coin passing like his mom Right, okay I know Paul lost his mom And I know they didn't have a very good relationship I know he's got a very good relationship with his father Now, he obviously didn't For years But I don't see Anything close to being A tender, kind Emotional Homage to anybody Of those six people that I mentioned
1: Passing And, and it, no, and that and that type of that type of behavior carries over into what we talk about a lot on the show. They're very detached. They're very emotionally detached, almost, almost like a, almost like on a on a personality disorder level, where they're so calculating and so driven and directed towards their goal that sometimes they can't see that there are people that contribute to that goal and they can't take their eye off of that. And that's why you see a lot of Paul's behavior. You see the way a lot like Gene, is a lot that they're very, they're very, they're emotionally detached from a lot of things around them, including the passing or the loss of, of band members. Or like you said, all those people, you know, Bill O'Coin, Bob Kulick, et cetera to them. It's like, that's very sad, but we have to uh, record track three on uh, the next uh, album here. You know, let's get to business here. It's like there's no and, and, you know, and this is just my view because I've been a KISS fan since, uh, you know, 1978, five years old. I I, I, like everybody else out there. I've read every book by them. I followed everything about them. They just don't seem like the kind of guys that I'm not going to say that they don't care because that's a strong assertion to say that they don't care, but they don't show it very well. And they seem emotionally detached and cold. They just do.
2: Yeah, and you, you're right. So, uh, what do you get? Do you get uh, you get those kind of comments that Paul reserves them for when there are other artists or people that ta- uh, Paul wants to be like, look at me saying these kind words about this artist that just passed away that everybody else is praising, but I want my name to be mentioned in the Twitter condolences for this person oh you know uh so and so commented on david bowie oh paul stanley also commented but he won't comment on bob Kulick's passing or what did they do i think they said that gene and paul paid for some of the funeral stuff right mm-hmm. but they didn't yep. go they didn't go yeah you know it just well we don't have time for that i've uh yeah. i've got i've got a <laughs> I've got a meeting and I'm sitting down With this song ready to write Black Tongue for my new oh. ass- Asshole
1: like, I can't wait for that episode <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, it's coming Two people Yeah,
2: it's just You know, it's It's frustrating Because Deep down, you know How close he was, Sean was To this band And how instrumentalist But now there's platitude there where they'll say out loud, without Sean Delaney, there'll be no kiss. I see it now. Why didn't you show it then? I think they were waiting, and they were waiting for the shoe to drop. They weren't sure about what Sean was going to say about them. And now that he's passed and the book is out and they know, oh, that's all he said. Okay. We're okay with him. Yeah, Yeah. He was instrumental in helping us. If asked, maybe they'll bring it up, but they don't bring it up because they want to say, you know, we need to say that, you know, Bill Coin and Sean Delaney did this. And oh, I think another thing
1: stuff, I think another thing too, I think, I, I think, you know, and this happens all this happens with successful people, but I think Paul and Jean also, I think they also have a hard time thanking people too. I think they also have a hard time acknowledging that someone helped them get to where they were. You're right because I think what ends up happening is
2: if I thank you guess yep. what every other ghostwriter or fucking guy on my albums is gonna come on and go, yeah, where's my platinum bonus
1: that I got for helping you write the chords to Lonely is the hunter on well, I, think, it, I, I, I th- think it's a I think it's a combination of that too, but I think it's also I don't think they want a lot of people to know. That someone else was Instrumental in so many key things In Kiss because the, then that'll take away The Paul Stanley and the Gene Simmons yeah, but, if, but, but Paul is the one that says You know people
2: have this crazy Concept of thinking four members And four guys just wrote a kiss If it's Paul and Gene You know it, it it's kiss. kiss If it's a Kiss song if it sounds like Kiss It's Kiss He'll say that because he yeah. wants to kill the myth Of saying well Peter didn't play on that track Wait a minute, Ace didn't play on that track. But he just want to give credit to anybody else that did anything or thank anybody else, or That's never I mean. say, you know what, the fucking solo uh, Rick Derringer did on like on the beginning of Exciter was so great. Oh, we he was so awesome for us. Or fucking whoever else they've had, they they just
1: he would never give credit to Rick Derringer for doing a solo on the Lick It Up album because then people can be like, well, why did you have Rick Derringer on your album? You had Vinnie Vincent in the band, or you had whoever. Like because they, like he just. They just don't want to. They don't want to acknowledge that anybody else helped them to get to where they were. And I know, guys, you're listening to us right now. Sorry if this turns into a kiss bashing. It happens once in a while with with, with Zeus and I. It's it's because oh, I'll fuck. say it's just because we're passionate about this. man oh, I'm not apologizing for it. I'm just saying if you're listening right now, wondering how we got down this rabbit hole, this is what happens when me and Zeus start talking about kiss.
2: They can go fucking go listen to fucking Happy Go Lucky World. And we only play Kiss fun music and no fucking bad comments about Kiss. Not we're here. About this stuff. Yep. We love the band. They are far from perfect. And if you take this band too serious, then you don't know how to have fun. Seriously, that's, that's also so correct. let's be yep. blunt here. And you know, this is a, a, a story. I mean, it's kind of a somber story and a somber episode because we're talking about a guy that should have been a star in his own for having the talent to draw out kiss and that should have been able to translate with other develop other artists or anything else because he obviously had talent and unfortunately you know he ends up kind of broke dying alone and you know listening to Brian talk about like being told that he Sean died I didn't know how, like you know, how that went. I didn't know Sean suffered for a weeks. He was in the hospital, and then he passed away. He's, Brian's like, dude, I just talked to him yesterday. What do you mean he died? Yep, it was just like that. And you know, his family comes out, and they're like, no, we want to get this book out. And Sean, I mean, uh, Brian, excuse me, is such a person of character because he said, like you he said, he's like, these are Sean's words. I'm not going to promote this book. As though I'm Sean I'm not going to go out There and do this and I'm so because I said to Him why didn't you do the convention Tours and all that you could be selling this Book people would love to hear about it." it's like Because this is Sean's story It's not really mine and You know he's honored that He doesn't want to take this as credit For him he's bringing Sean's Words out and he said I didn't want to Put anything in the book that wasn't Directly said and quoted from The tapes I've had of Sean So kudos to Brian uh, and I'm, I'm just so glad that I found this on my rabbit hole kissing, uh, lo- late nights and where we were able to get him on and interview
1: him. Yeah. And I'll just wrap it up with this, that I, you know, one of like I said, at the beginning, and like we said, during the, during the interview with Brian to kind of piggyback on what Zeus said, everybody should know who Sean is. Uh, he should not be known to kiss insiders and kiss freaks you should know who Sean Delaney is. And the fact that, that he doesn't have that kind of esteem outside of the inner workings of the kiss world is a shame. And that's why we were so happy to have Brian on and push this book and tell you guys about it and let people know so that you can hear Sean's story and see how uh, essential he was to the band.
2: Yeah, I've got, you know, I had a uh, fun I always take notes when I read these books, Tom. So I've got, I have my note part out on my iPhone, chapter one, chapter two, all the way down. There's a couple quick things that I wanted to uh, bring up. And obviously, I have a lot more notes as we get deeper into this kiss part of the, um, when he's firmly in kiss and the middle. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, no, no. I'm not going to spoil it. But, he made a point, you know. This is obviously Sean, right? Yep. That he's like, and then Gene asked me to do produce his album. He yep. could have had anybody in the world produce this. He could have had, like, I think he said, like John Lennon or something. Like, and I was like, dude, Sean,
1: he, come on, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> have John, he didn't have John, Lenn- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It was something like that, somebody's huge name And I'm like, dude, calm down, buddy Let's let's take a step back It is a big deal that somehow, out of nowhere, Gene asked you Because he trusts you to to produce his album But let's not get, you know,
1: carried away with that But do you remember that (laughs) part? I do, oh, absolutely, yeah, I do I'm like, settle down, Gene The Beatles aren't knocking on your door yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And there's another great story that I want to bring to people's attention, and and that is when they were doing the Kiss comic book. Yeah,
1: and what Sean does,
2: it's in the book. I've never heard that story.
1: Me neither. That's amazing. And then he walks I, again, into again.
2: Bill Coin's room, and there's Stan Lee there, and Steve Gerber, and I'm not going to tell you what happens, but just it's just like, more
1: more amazing holy shit more amazing things that I never learned from another kiss book. And you're right. It's just stuff like that. You're like, wow. Yeah. It's
2: just, it's an, it's a, it's a great book. Solid read. Brian was a a great guest, a nice find. And we really think I can't say enough, go out, get this book. Sean Delaney's Hellbox by
1: Brian J. Kennard. Awesome stuff. It was great. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the interview and, Get the book and let us know what you think about it. You can probably read it in one or two days. It's that easy.
2: Yep. And then so, Tom, when we're done with an episode uh, topic,
1: what do we usually go to? We go to a question. And we got this one from Facebook. This comes from Mark Schleim. Forgive me if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Uh, He says, the first time I saw Kiss was March 19th, 1995 in Madison, Wisconsin, with Wasp as the opening band. woo I've yeah. seen Kiss 6 times with the following opening acts: Wasp, the Melvins, D Generation, Aerosmith, Motley Crue, and the fucking Painter. <laughs> yeah. That's his that that's his words. My favorite opener was Wasp. My question for you is what was your favorite opening act for the Kiss shows that you have attended? So for me, I'll start with that. For me, first show, Slaughter opened up for them. Fucking awesome that was 1990. The stick it to You" album was huge. They sounded great. And then a lot of the other opening acts were just eh, like they had Buck Cherry one year. Terrible band. Sorry if you guys like them. That band's horrible. One opening band that really surprised me. And I remember Zeus and I kind of looking at each other being like, holy shit, these guys are good. And this was at the uh, Freedom to Rock show. I think it was that was 2016 was the Dead Daisies. Yeah, I remember very. Who the, who the fuck is this band? And then I go and look at them, and I'm like, "Shit, these guys have been around for a while with some great musicians, and they were they sounded awesome." So that's yeah. who I would say for me. Um, I'm going to cheat. Okay, I'm going to say Def Leppard. Okay, that's kind of a cheat, but right but they, they, when they... they
2: did the tour with Def Leppard. Okay, and I'll say that's better than the Aerosmith one because Aerosmith was playing some that blues album just come out it was
1: fucking what, horrible what
2: honking on bobo
1: <laughs> that that show was fucking brutal dude
2: yeah uh, and this was in boston and kiss blew them away
1: oh it was um, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah but kiss is lately and in, in our and our this the, this past 15 20 years whatever kiss is not we've talked about this before they do not do well with opening acts um, no they're but not, uh, that's but, not but, their thing no, but that's a good question. And Mark, thank you for uh, reaching out and sending that to us. We appreciate it. Yep. Tom, where can people find us? So we got our email, Shout it shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will we will respond to your email. We might read it on the air. Um, so use that email. And then we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Reach out to us, comment on the show, comment on episodes, whatever you want. We, we love to interact. Uh, as you can see, we read a lot of the comments on the air. Uh we also have an awesome Facebook group that just broke 600 members there the shout it out loudcasters on Facebook jump in there it's a great place for fans to post pictures articles stories ask questions talk about the band we love all eras no toxic Facebook group mentality there and we're part of the uh, awesome Pantheon podcast uh family of shows uh so you can find us uh, um on their website as well and uh we're on all the big platforms um any way you can find a podcast, we are out there. And don't forget our good friend Ed at clicktshop.com. He sells awesome Shout It Out loudcast merch, as well as awesome Kiss gear, or Kiss-inspired gear, I should say. So Ed's our buddy. We love him, so check him out as well. Absolutely. Guys, keep up the uh,
2: reviews as well. Five-star star. child reviews on PodChaser iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you'd like to give us uh, those five-star reviews. They help people find us. It moves us up in the rankings, and it allows people to hear our show more, more interaction, more fun. That's how we look at it. And uh, when you play this episode, you probably will have heard our other uh, live cast episode, which probably played last night, and and that is what we discussed about – the previous 10 albums that we reviewed. We hope you had fun with that. And uh, you can listen to that as well. Which will get dropped later on. Next week. On Tuesday or Wednesday. That episode will come out. But in the meantime. Uh, keep coming uh, with emails. Shout it out loudcast. At gmail.com. Keep giving the 5 star reviews. And keep sending us messages. Direct messages. Facebook. Twitter instagram wherever you'd like we love interacting with you guys and uh other than that tom we usually go to
1: famous last words you got any oh always right on the mirror with your lipstick much too vain got scattered brains you used me just enough to get off at your age get off your stage awful album Oh, How dare you
3: How dare you How dare you
2: I want to see if I can do this I'm going to try to do this In an accent That I haven't really tried But I want to see if I can pull this off I'm going to try to do it the best I can I'm going to work on it Hopefully it'll get as good as my my ace impression Or my gene Hey fucko Don't let me find you Sleeping with another man Say you're gonna be true. Instead, love them as you can. Fucko. Oh man, I gotta work on my Peter Chris fucking Peter Chris impression. cola.
1: I like it. I'll give, yeah. I'll give I'll give I'll give you a solid effort there. But
2: you gotta throw in the fucko if you of course the oh, absolutely. Then that's Peter Chris. Of course. Yeah. Hey fuckos, why didn't you fucking ask me to sing this? What are you gonna give that shit to fucking Rod Stewart for?
1: How come all my fucking singles go on the B sides? why <laughs> you say like B sides? B sides. <laughs> uh Zeus, uh, thank you, buddy, as always. Kiss Army, thanks for listening. Hope you uh had a had a good time with this one. And check out Hellbox. Yeah, that's right. Uh Tom, thank you very much. Brian,
2: thank you very much. Kiss Army, thank you very much. And until next time, peace out, Girl Scout.